Welcome to Neighboring. This is a series where we ask this question and try to dive into the idea of what does it mean to be a good neighbor? We think that neighboring happens in all different types of contexts and all different places, not just the place that we live. And uh, we're sitting down with our friends and coworkers and people that we know in and through our community that uh, are attempting to try to be a good neighbor themselves and hopefully in a different context than we've spent time talking about. Uh, today, I am here with Jen Nickel, who is a principal at Lindley Academy. And uh, I'm excited to hear your thoughts as an educator. Uh, what does it mean to be a neighbor inside of a school? Uh, we know the schools are part of neighborhoods and they're a fixture of neighborhoods and always have been. Uh, and neighborhoods kind of develop in and around schools. But what does it mean to be a neighbor as an outside, as an inside, as an educator? So welcome and thank you for coming. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. Introduce yourself. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you become an educator? Oh my gosh. Um, okay, so I'm Jen Nickel. You already said that. Uh, the new principal of Lindley International Spanish Academy. Congratulations. Thanks. I'm nervous. It's a excited. lot of pressure. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm feeling all of it right now. Okay. Too. Yeah. But I, I'm very excited. Uh, I, I feel like I'm up for the task. Um, as far as education goes and like how did I get into it, um, I kind of got into education like kicking and screaming. My whole family, except for like my grandmother and my mom, are educators. Like my aunt, my grandfather, my other aunt, like we're all in education. Even like my cousins and my first cousins and my second cousins. Wow. Like educators yeah. through and through. Like always just kind of in the service industry and you know, interested in humans. So. Um, I wanted to rebel because that's what all <laughs> young kids do and I decided to go to school for theater. Okay. So I got my bachelor's in theater and uh, my family was like, Jen, like go like couple that in with teaching. Like you should be a teacher. You could teach theater and you could have fun, you know, doing the whole performance thing. I was like, yeah, no, whatever. Not going to do it. And then um, I met this uh, guy who ended up being my husband. Um, I graduated with my bachelor's in theater, and I met this guy, uh, Stephen Bryden Sankova, my husband, uh, and I was having a hard time like figuring out like how am I going to reconcile like my education, my schooling, you know, I went to school for performance, and I'm, I, you know, I'm stuck in Fort Wayne right now because I, I was in love, and um, I, you know, was having a hard time with that, and I was working at the Firefly. Um, just you know, serving coffee and having a good time, talking to people and all that good stuff. And finally, Stephen was like, "Hey, Jen, you should try substitute teaching." So you know, kind of thought about it, and I was like, "Okay, fine." And I went for like my first day. I told Cindy, I was like, "Hey, Cindy, my boss at the Firefly, can I have like a couple days off here and there? Because I want to like try this whole substitute teaching thing." Yeah. She said, "Sure, Jen," which was you know awesome and amazing because Cindy's great, and. Uh, I tried it and <laughs> I loved it. I totally fell in love. So I went back to school and I got my um, teaching certificate and that just kind of started the love affair with education and being around kids and being around teachers. All right. So how long have you been a teacher then? Um, well, I was a teacher for five years okay. and I taught uh, art and theater, which was awesome. Total wow. dream gig. And uh, then I transferred into uh, administration. Um, and I've been doing that for five years and I'm going on my 11th year. That's great. What, what uh, 
your theater experience like how do you how did that like prepare you for for being a teacher was it really separate or like you know there's a lot of practice a lot of there's a lot that goes into to performance I, <laughs> how did that translate to was it very similar like skill set and like preparation for performance versus now i'm teaching a bunch of kids and looking at that looking at all 26 sets of eyes staring at you um yeah, I, I think that there are definitely some skills that translate uh, from my theater and performance degree into education. There's a lot of like preparation that goes into um, preparing for a role. You, you know, you study the script, you read the script, you do a little bit of dramaturgy, and you read about the history that was going on in the background. And you know, the same thing holds true for education. You uh, you prepare for that lesson, you figure out what the objectives are that you want those kids to learn like by the end of the lesson and you figure out like their background knowledge and all of those other components that go into it and then you also incorporate like student interests into it and somehow like you've got this lesson that you know is 52 minutes long and you know you're teaching it to the kids. Yeah, trying to loop them all in and yeah. keep it engaging. To, Absolutely. So not yes. a not a trait that you probably shy away from. Uh, so why make the shift from, from just being, uh, being a teacher, uh, interacting with doing the student thing and, and trying to get help individuals learn on a very kind of one-on-one one -on -one basis or in a classroom setting to becoming an administrator who's now responsible for the entire school yeah. and not just kids, but other teachers and support staff and things like that? Um, well, I would say what happened was I was at Black Hawk Middle School doing my art and theater. I was teaching there and I had like this awesome pair of administrators and they created this amazing environment where teachers were very collegial. They helped one another. They always were reaching out, you know, to each other, like checking in. Like my first year of teaching, I had so much support from not only the administration, but also from all the teachers because they just, the administrators had created this awesome environment where it was, the love of learning was evident and obvious. Um, and through that and through all of those other teachers, like, you know, modeling, like, hey, how can I help you, Jen? What do you need? Um, I realized, oh my gosh, I love that too. Like, I, I love helping kids and I love teaching kids, but I also love like helping adults too. So I kind of found myself in that like, oh my gosh, I. I always thought I was going to die in that job, like mm. art and theater over at Black Hawk Middle School. Like, you know, it's a dream job. It absolutely is. But then like that just kind of like ignited this like other passion in me like, hey, if I go into administration, not only could I help kids and still work with kids, but I could also work with adults. So it kind of seemed like having your cake and eating it too. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So you've making, you're making the transition over the summer. Yeah from teaching in uh, art and theater to a new school even, mm -hmm. and becoming a principal, how's the transition been going? Like, what sort of things have you been experiencing with that? Uh, the transition's been good. Uh, you know, like I started off my educational career with awesome administrators and role models. Yeah. And then, you know, I went into another role, um, which was kind of like that segue into uh, administration a bit. I was an instructional coach, so I got to help work specifically with teachers, and I did that for a year. And then after that, I went on to become an assistant principal in uh, Marion. So all along the way, like I like really lucked out, and I always had like these awesome role models uh, and exemplar administrators yeah. to look up to. 
So just kind of being with them and them uh, delegating responsibilities to me along the way and modeling and you know talking me through things yeah. <clears throat> was really like how it's prepared me. I mean, I'm not really totally prepared. It's sure. going to be my first year and it's going to be hard and wonderful and overwhelming, but I feel like I've got a good baseline and I have had lots of good administrators to like show me how to respond in those sort of situations. Yeah. I can't say I'm ready, but like uh, I'll be okay. I'm sure you're you know going to be I mean? fine. Like, yeah, I'm sure you're ready. All right. Well, all right. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to talk about in this interview is, you know, so much of part of our culture, especially for those that are educated ourselves and have choice and resource, so much goes into choosing the places we live, uh, dictated by whether we have kids and what neighborhoods we move in and what the school's like. And we choose the places we live a lot. Like school is such a priority choice in that decision-making of, yes, we need a house, we need a nice neighborhood, but if we have kids, it's like, well, what kind of, what kind of school, school do we get? Yeah. 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 For those that choose more intentionally to live, and so we think in our culture about school as being part of the neighborhood and the places that we choose. Uh, so that tip typically gets talked about and, and, and thought about, but what is, but it began to make me really think now that I have kids in school and are showing up and interacting, like, is a school like a neighborhood? Like in and of itself where people come every day, they're connected, they have their own little space, there's okay. people coming. So have you ever thought about that? Or like if you have, like how is a school like a neighborhood? Yes, absolutely. It, it totally is. It's its own little like microcosm of things that are going on. Um, when I was in Marion, we actually like centered our professional learning communities, which is like um, teaching for teachers and it, just to help them be better and educating them, like class for them, I guess. We call them PLCs. But we like arranged all of our PLCs under this whole neighborhood philosophy. So um, the principal and the assistant principal uh, were at the top of like this neighborhood and there were other like components of people and who you could go to to ask for help for things um, within your like house I guess is yeah. what you would say and that um, like language and talking about like neighborhoods and houses like that even like matriculated down to the kids so you know the, the social studies teacher would you know maybe see somebody throw something on the floor and say hey you know that, that's not my house that's yeah. not how that happens yeah, so um, absolutely, schools are definitely like neighborhoods. Um, uh, another example, like from Price Elementary, where I was an assistant principal for the last couple of years, we have like 530 kids and we've got like two bathrooms. <laughs> so just figuring out um, teachers, figuring out like when to take their kids for bathroom breaks and um, how to maneuver, we have three bathrooms, I lied, sorry. Um, but just how to maneuver through the hallway when, you know, yeah. you've got like a class of 30 rolling down this way to this bathroom and then, you know, this class is coming around to try to get a drink and, you know, it, it was really cool to see because like oftentimes uh, classes would see each other in the hallway, like there would be like a colliding thing because normally like it worked out really, really smoothly and people were able to schedule yeah. it just so. But every once in a while, like somebody would be coming back from gym late or something. Uh, and somebody else would like be coming in from the outside and they'd see the other class and they'd be like, hey, no, 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 it's okay. Let that class go. Like they look really thirsty. Like, go ahead. Hmm. And like the kids would say that. 
and it, I don't know, it just was really cool to see. In what ways do you think students or kids get the idea of neighboring better than, than most adults? <laughs> well, I think that kids are in tune with how other kids are feeling, and I also think that you know they're in tune with how adults are feeling as well, and they can, um, their EQs are much higher than we give them credit for. Yeah. And I feel like they can sense some of those things. Like oftentimes at Price, um, you know, if a kid was having a hard time or just kind of looked down or whatever, it, inevitably before I could even like intervene as the adult on recess duty and patrol and go over and say, hey, what's wrong? Inevitably, some kid would come over and be like, hey, come play with me. Let's go do jump ropes. Yeah, well. Come on, let's go do kickball. Like before I could even intervene. Wow, that's great. Yeah, so I, I feel like they have that sense. It's not always articulated, yeah. and they don't always know how to handle it or maneuver those difficult situations, but they are capable. Kids yeah. are very capable. It's instinctual to respond, like whatever the response is, but they, they see it and they're, they're attempting. Like One of the things that I see is as we get older and as adults, like we see the opportunities to re like we see the opportunities to respond, and we kind of know what to do if we chose to respond. Yes. But the hardest thing is to actually choose. Choose to respond. Oh, uh, because we got so many experiences where it went bad, it didn't go his way, or like <laughs> it wasn't received, or whatever. Yeah. Or we're just so caught up in our own lives that we just like that's going to take too much time, so I'm just not going to. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I've I've been really trying to learn. Uh, from kids and like looking at this idea from the worldview like and what shapes our kids worldviews when it comes to this idea of neighboring like there's so much already built in yeah. and uh, the experiences in the classrooms and uh, our home lives kind of kind of dictate like how we shape or expand yeah. expand the worldviews what makes a what makes a school healthy like a healthy environment or a healthy community well, I think that um, for, in order for a school to be healthy, I think that it has to have a clear vision and a clear mission. And I think that that whole thing needs to be articulated to the students. And I think it needs to be articulated to the teachers and to the administrators. And you know, that comes from you know, somebody higher up than the administrators and so on and so forth. But just having that mission and vision aligned so that kids also are aware of it like they know their the goals like you know price we're going for you know 100 percent of students at grade level just being able to articulate it means that they've like internalized it um and i think that that's important and i also think that having the supports in place and the opportunities to practice um are also important and i think that's what makes a healthy school yeah a lot of times i hear like what people interpret as the healthy schools and like the really great schools or like the, the wealthier schools or the schools and districts that have more resources because of the community they're in. And those, therefore, those schools that maybe are in a, a lower income area are just naturally perceived as not being a healthy or a good enough school. Is that a is that a true misconception or is that a yeah. total misconception? It's a total misconception. Oh yeah. my gosh, yes. I would encourage like, I know that a lot of people put a lot of value on the grades that a school gets from the IDOE. You know, that could be, you know, one of those things when they're searching for houses in different neighborhoods. Oh, well, this school got a C or this school got a D. Yeah. But I would really, like, encourage anybody that was, like, 
torn about that at all to go and visit the school. Like just call up the school and go see, go see it for yourself and tell me, you know, do you really think that that's a D school? Like all that learning that's happening in all those classrooms and all of those kids smiling and laughing and learning and the teachers, you know, doing the same thing. Like, okay. How, uh, kind of how difficult is it to have an impact on the culture environment within the school as, you know, maybe, maybe an insider, a teacher, or even maybe a support staff person? Like, what does it look like to make an impact in a school in, even in areas where there may be a lot more regulations due to, due to whatever? Um, I don't think it's difficult at all. So at uh, Price Elementary, we now have something that is now called Audrey Bahan Day. And it is May 23rd, and it's gonna be every May 23rd from henceforth. So Audrey Bahan, she is a classroom assistant, and she's been at Price um, probably about three years shy of how long I've been alive. <laughs> so she's been at Price for a very long time. And oftentimes, we'll have a community member come back like with their own kid or sometimes even their grandkid and they'll say like hey do you remember miss bahan is she still here does she still work here yes yes miss bahan does work here so i mean just you know the little the impact that she had like going into classrooms and working with kids and the other thing and the, probably the reason why she is remembered by so many people she would uh play kickball with the kids like every single day. Uh, it didn't matter if it was rainy or snowy or whatever. If we were going outside for recess, Miss Bahan was out and she was pitching the ball and wow. she was like kickball referee. And she, um, we, we really needed help in the lunchroom this year. And I, I, uh, I felt very guilty about it, but I asked her to help out in the lunchroom. So she was kind of off kickball duty for <laughs> a while, but the kids would always be like, Miss Bahan, are you gonna come outside and play with us? You know, can you pitch the ball? So, you know, every once in a while she would get outside still and play kickball with the kids. Man, what a, what a great story of just like being a neighbor and being up for anything. Yeah. Like being able to, to connect and yes. be up and be moldable and change and like hop in and like do it. Be yeah. the kickball yes. pit pitcher. And Miss Bond. Yeah. Yes. She had a wicked like curveball too. <laughs> she got into it. Yeah. Yeah. She oh, that's did. awesome. What, uh, what's the role of like the school as the physical neighborhood? Like, Talk in terms of like a neighborhood context, like what is the role, the position of the school like in its health? Like, well, what does that look like? Um, one of the things, like at, at Price, we always uh, talk to our kids about like being good stewards and making mm. sure like, you know, you need to clean up after yourself and you need to let adults know if there's something that you see that isn't quite right or, you know, what have you. So um, we've really like instilled that in them. So like, whenever we would go outside uh, to eat for recess, like when it was nice out, um, we made sure that there were you know, some kids around. They would either volunteer because they didn't want to do recess or, or, or whatever, but they would go around and they would pick up any of the like little like wrapper, cellophane wrapper things yeah. that like would kind of blow away in the wind or whatever. And oftentimes, you know, they would pick up, you know, some of the other stuff that they saw too, like just random little tidbits of trash or a couple leaves that didn't look right on the walkway and, you know, stuff like that because you know it's important to be good stewards and it's important to like take care of the space and with that we would always tell the kids too because price um 
we're it's a neighborhood school. So there's a lot of walkers that come yeah. from around and State Street, it's kind of busy. Yeah. Um, but there were there are some kids on the other side of State Street that would have to cross and come over to Price. And we would always tell them too, like guys, like, you know, they people work on their yards and they try to keep them nice and mm. It's it doesn't work out very well if you keep walking through. Uh, I know it's a little bit shorter to cut off the corners, but you know, do them a favor and do them a solid and walk around. Oh yeah, I didn't think about oh, it. Wow. Yeah, so just like teaching them like yeah. why or where it comes from, like you know that pride and ownership and the pride of the house, or you know like okay, like I get that you guys love that puppy dog that's on the corner, <laughs> but you know that owner might have like that owner might be like trying to teach it or train it a different way. So let's not like hang out and like play with the puppy, Sure. <laughs> you know, on the corner of the house, but. It's these little redirections and information that yeah. we, we just don't know. And it takes time to yeah. learn. Well, yeah, cause they're kids. And like yeah. you, like when you think back to anything, you didn't know at first, yeah. it was just like finding your way through the world and somebody taking the time mm. to explain that and, and the why behind walking on the sidewalks or the why behind um, using the crosswalks instead of crossing all willy-nilly on State Street, you know? Yeah. As, as, a, as a new principal and an owner of a particular school, what are some ways that you would, what would you want the surrounding neighborhood and the intentional neighbors or the neighborhood association or just parents? Like, what would you want people to know in terms of these are the ways that you could really be a good neighbor to our school or the kids part of the school like how could you encourage or what are some ways like if i'm interested in and i live in the neighborhood but maybe i have a kid there maybe i don't but in terms of how can we be better neighbors to schools well um i would say you know just going back to like the whole crosswalk thing like that came to my attention because neighbors called the school. Like they took the time to call and say, hey, um, I'm not sure if these were your kids or not, but they ran across the street. There weren't any cars coming and it was safe, but they didn't use a crosswalk and it was just, you know, about 500 feet up. So I didn't know if you would want to say something about that or not. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, yeah. thank you. You know, just being informed like that. Um, there was somebody else that called and said, hey, you know, it's the middle of the day and we saw this kid, uh, are they yours? <laughs> it's like, no, all of ours are accounted for, thank yeah. you. But just, you know, that they care enough to like call, if they see something, you know, they say something. Yeah. Um, also, like, you know, with a lot of the neighborhood schools, the whole car line is, um, it's intense. And if you've got a house that's like right across from the school, one of the things that all of uh, the community members that are right across the street from Price did, they would always have their car on the other side of the street, which was awesome. Cause like when somebody would like forget or if there would be a car parked there, then it would like be this weird like safety oh, hazard sure. thing. Cause then they'd have to like drive around this other car. Yeah. You get a code and you'd you know, start over and around and directing traffic. But you know, they were like being mindful of that. Like I think once out of 180 days, like somebody forgot and they were like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, it's okay. Like you, you remembered 179 other days. Like yeah. it's quite all right. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. You know, so just being mindful and being aware and communicating with the school. That's great. It's good reminders to identify things, but not just sit and identify them, but like 
give give a phone call, ask a question, yeah. and uh, if you've identified something, that's probably something to follow up on. Yes, and it can be extremely helpful in a school context. So to wrap up, uh, curious from your perspective, uh, you know, the question is, you know, Jen, what what does it mean to be a good neighbor? What does it mean to be a good neighbor? Um, well, I think that it's one of those things where you do unto others as you want done unto you, but also something that I'm learning right now as I'm incredibly stressed and like getting prepared for my first um, year at Lindley, I think it's important to do a bit of self-care as well. And you need to take care of yourself as much as you can so that you are in the best possible position to help others. So like I need to go to the grocery store so yeah. then I can cook my neighbor who's been really busy and under the weather so I have that time to cook her a meal. Yeah. But you know, it, it's, it's stopping and taking a bit of that time for yourself so that you're in the best possible position to serve others. Yeah, well, thanks for that recommendation. And uh, to think through that our own personal health it dictates how we're able to, to be healthy with, with others around us. Jen, thanks for taking the time to come on Neighboring and sharing your story as, a, as an educator in ways that, that we can hopefully think differently about what's happening inside of a school every day rather than just tests and learning and recess and <laughs> uh, whatever else that, that gets caught in our mind mostly, but that there are a bunch of people there that are caring and trying to care for one another relationally um, to create a, a healthier community. So thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for uh, tuning in to this episode of Neighboring. Uh, we continue to have our worldviews and our ideas stretched about what it means to be a neighbor. We look forward to continuing the series. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Neighboring is presented by NeighborLink, a volunteer organization that connects vulnerable neighbors with neighbors looking to help. Neighboring is produced by Punch Films, a national full-service video production company based in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Creative direction by Lindy Bazil and Lindsay Ray Porter. Music is by Metavari off the recent album, Symmetry. Be sure to visit neighboringpodcast.com to watch or listen to other episodes.